This is Channel 253. Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Jenny. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, empowering an informed electorate. I thought we were informing an empowered electorate. In in the the city city of destiny. Citizen Tacoma, my heart beats true blue. Citizen Tacoma, I'll always vote for you. Hi, Doug. Hi, Jenny. Oh my gosh, today we interviewed Kristen Eng, who's running for Port Commission, and you guys, you guys. You got to listen to this interview. (laughs) I am completely neutral. Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Wowzers. Wow. She's just amazing. And I have not been so inspired by pretty much anybody we've ever interviewed. Listen to this. Yes. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma. Thanks for having me. We're happy to have you here. I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. We start all of these interviews with a bit of your Tacoma slash Pierce County story. So can you tell us where you live, how long you've lived here, all that kind of stuff? I'm Kristen Ng. I was born in Manila, Philippines, Hmm. and then immigrated to Seattle, Washington. But by first grade, I was in Gig Harbor. Okay. And so I grew up here in Pierce County, Harbor Heights. Then I'm a Catholic schoolgirl. Mm. So I attended uh, St. Charles and Bellarmine Prep. Mm-hmm. And then I won a piano scholarship, academic, to University of Puget Sound, where I earned my business degree. Nice. And then I went to Cornell Law School in New York, got my law degree there. Um, I also studied international business and law in mainland China, Suzhou, and at the University of Hong Kong, where I also worked at the U.S. Commercial Service. It's about trade and having U.S. businesses uh, enter the Hong Kong and China market, which is actually China and Hong Kong is our number one trading partner. Hmm. And afterwards, I, I well, during law school, I also worked at the Clean Energy Group in Vermont. And so those two, these experiences shaped me, made me appreciate uh, the natural beauty that we have here and our resources, and also that the environment and economics go hand in hand. Hmm. So I came back, because I love it here, and this is where a lot of my family is, uh, relatives, there's like a hundred of us. Um, I'm a lawyer. I passed the bar when I came back. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Does business, I do pro bono, and, and I guess since I... I'm an immigrant, a naturalized citizen. Some of the pro bono is for immigration. So I've done that for that Northwest Detention Center. Hmm. Did you want to know how I got involved with the ports? I want to hear it all. Okay. Methanol bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. When the world's largest methanol was to be built at the port. Um, you know, three billion gallons of our water. Increase our pollution here simply to help China manufacture more plastic. When government officials were telling us to conserve water, 10%, and they were going to ban plastic bags. And I've seen these kind of projects around the world. Mm. And I call them exploitation projects, usually usually environmental racism. Like, for instance, in the Philippines, um, there, you, there will be a corporation or s- foreign corporation that would want the logs, the lumber. They will deal with a local 
you know, rich person there. And lobbyists will get rich. The rich local person will get rich. They don't even live in that province. Mm. And they'll take the natural resources. And then when, and they'll offer some jobs just to sweeten the deal. But in the end, there'll be a mudslide. They'll call it an act of God. And the village is holding the bag. Lost mm. lives, lost economy, lost village. Mm. And I felt like that's what was happening here. Our natural resources were being exploited and they were offshoring the risk. Right. So I was like, I can't believe it. And yeah. that, you know, that corporation is not like any other corporation here. Like as we think of Boeing or Microsoft, that is a Chinese government operation. Mm. So I felt like they were just giving this away, giving our natural resources away without much public notice, without informing the public. And as I've been telling people, when it comes to major decisions that affect our identity and future, the public must be made aware, informed properly and honestly, consulted, and let the people have a say with what happens with public lands and public money. So that's what brought me an attention. And, and then I, I, I wanted to get involved. I wanted to know more about the issues. And I heard these environmental groups were going to put up candidates. So mm. I was curious. So I looked at the um, election website mm -hmm. to see who would run because yeah. I uh, Okay, part, part of me already wanted to vote them out, okay, yeah. <laughs> based on that alone. Um, but I was like, no, let's hear what they have to say. Let's hold them accountable. And then I saw that no one was running. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. That was simply unacceptable for me. And I was a bit disappointed. But then I also thought, hey, you cannot ask of someone else what you won't do yourself. So at 3 o'clock, the final hour to file, I looked at, there was no one. <laughs> By 3.07, I was in. Nice. And it's $216 to file. My cousin's <laughs> kid paid more for a Katy Perry ticket. Yeah. And I was like, I am going to pay this for democracy and to bring these issues to the forefront. And also to change this port. What I realized through this whole run is that port culture must change to usher in a new era of prosperity and environmental stewardship. Just take a look at it. One generation in their 70s, they're insular, they're a little bit myopic, is making the decisions economically and environmentally for our entire region. They've been there for decades, and it's much disconnect. There's a disconnect and walls up, yeah. and it's... As I found through this campaign and speaking with people, speaking all around at the port, it's a very territorial, defensive, does not like to be questioned. And their attitude towards the, the surrounding community is if you don't like it, move. And wow. I'll, I'll speak later about their attitudes towards um, the Puyallup tribe. That, that's what I found quite disturbing, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, this... Just the five-person commission. You don't want five people with the same mindset. Right. You know, um, someone told me, I think it was Eric Holderman, who said that in the 99 years of this port's existence on that five-person commission, there has been no person of color. Right. So that means if elected at their centennial, I would be the first one in 100 years. That's unbelievable. I could yeah. not believe it. Um but that's not why I didn't come to change their visual makeup. Yeah. I came to change the mindset, the culture, to be more progressive, to be forward moving, to connect it. More, this, the port cities of the future, if you look to Europe, 
they're looking to connect, to integrate to their city, to not just focus on the container business, on the moving of cargo, which is very important. That is the primary yeah. you know, reason for ports. But they're looking at ports in a whole different way. It's about the future. The future is integrating the ports with the city and the surrounding community, like having the identities, values, social coherence, environmental sustainability. In, in port development, it's not simply about, you know, getting, you know, offloading and unlo unloading cargo. It's about synergy. And that's what's missing. The walls are still up. The walls must come down and let the people's energies and ideas come in. And that's what they fear. But I don't think so. They're going to need someone there who is a boots on the ground commissioner, mm -hmm. so a new kind of commissioner um, who will be reaching out to diverse communities, diverse interests, the environmental orgs. I mean, some people think that, you know, what, what I say is radical. I don't think so. This yeah. is the future. Uh, what they'll suggest is like 6 p.m., meetings at 6 p.m., and that's enough. No, it is not. If you're not listening, if you're not willing to acknowledge that you've done the mistakes, that's the problem. They are so deep in denial about their relationships with the community and the Puyallup tribe, they think it's good. It's terrible. Yeah. And maybe that's their normal and that has happened in the past. And perhaps in the past, you know, they've been getting their way, like using the fist of the port. But what they're encountering in the present um, is an empowered citizenry with advanced communication technology mm -hmm. and, a, and a Puyallup tribe that's coming into its own, flexing its political and economic muscle. You can no longer use the fist. You must actually open it, open up your hand and extend it and be partners. And that is the future. Um, you have to reach out that, you know, it's about synergy. It's about connecting. And I often thought they refer to themselves as the economic engine of Pierce County. Yeah. It's a good engine. It is providing jobs. And it, I feel like sometimes we're overly reliant on it that way. Mm -hmm. But it can be a better engine, a much stronger, supercharged, rebooted engine. And, it has, and in order for that to happen, like for Pierce County to fulfill its true potential, the port the city and the tribe must work in concert. The tribe is one of the top 10 employers. It has money. Mm -hmm. Like for that, then they have to form the ultimate economic and environmental engine. It cannot just be the port. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> We're so excited right now. Yes. I mean, just like, <laughs> no, just look at their creative culture. Look at any company. Look at any company. At Google, Microsoft, Amazon. Would they have five of the same people? on a commission doing, you know, coming up with strategy? No, no, they yeah. would not. You want diversity in there, diversity of skill sets, mindsets, people who can reach different social cult social cultures. I'm a musician. I got a piano scholarship, right? Yeah. Imagine a composition made of one note or one chord. No, you want some dissonance. You want some grist there to create a cult creative culture. Someone who can maybe more you know, innovative or technolo technologically driven or thinking. I mean, they're not like drones. Like people think that's strange, but drones do a lot for security. They're even large vessel drones that deliver products. Mm -hmm. You know, there's 3D manufacturing. Perhaps we should be looking at these this whole delivery distribution system differently. Um, there's just a lot of things. And, and in some ways, Tacoma has been focusing on its rivalry with Seattle. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. 
This is a global world, you know, increased global competition, technological disruption. Seattle and Tacoma must now combine. Mm-hmm. You know, with that Northwest Seaport Alliance, think of it as regional well-being. Stop focusing on competing against each other and look out into the world. You consider yourself a global port city? Well, then start comparing yourself to other global ports. If you look at the port of Rotterdam or port of Hamburg, one of the, you know, these are, glo- you know, very busy ports. They're considered like the top ports. They're integrating with their city. They're mm-hmm. looking at how they can create these synergies, how they can, um, besides the offloading and unloading cargo, marine cargo business, they're saying, how can we improve, you know, differentiated economic surges here? And so how how do we like give value, different added values to this city? You know, some people are thinking green waterfronts, environmental sustainability. Um, This port is, is too insulated. The mindset is too insulated. It's time to open up. And I think it's going to need new people there, new perspectives and an infusion of energy and letting look at all these people that want to have a say. Mm-hmm. Let them have a say. Uh, I know I've been made fun of, of being a little bit, um, you know, different. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah. I want more people in. I welcome the people's energy. I would like it if we had like a whole board of this port and have many people of different professions just reimagine what this port could be based on their values, based on their principles and imagination. Mm -hmm. And everyone thinks about economics. You know, it's funny because I never really thought about myself as an environmentalist. But when I speak and when I, that's one thing about running for office, you discover things about yourself. Mm -hmm. And maybe I always was, but my heart, my mind was just simply catching up with my heart. Yeah. And that, and it's like, wow, I really truly believe in democracy. That's why I want people to have a say with what happens to these lands and transparency and, uh, you know, a greener future for us. There's a reason why people, we have this bad reputation. And it's sad because I I spend time in Seattle and I speak with people all around the world. I travel. I love traveling. And the port is, like I said, a good economic engine. But there's also a term called depressed economic impact based on reputation alone. And because of our Tacoma aroma, that some people don't want to move their companies here. It's reputation. I mean, that's why Mm -hmm. you pay extra money for a company's goodwill. It yeah. doesn't seem like there's a tangible asset, but goodwill and reputation brings in company. Like attracts like. If we just keep on putting refineries and become a fueling station in the Pacific Northwest, that's not going to make our economy rise. That's not going to bring in the jobs. Um, so we need to change our identity. I think we already are. There's a renaissance happening in Tacoma, uh, you know, with the metro parks, everything. the one that's hasn't caught up with this, with the future, is the port. Mm -hmm. The port must change. And part of the way I think also is to invest in the community, invest in the youth, be a good neighbor. Let's find out the truth. Because the surrounding neighborhoods are saying the port is emitting pollution that's affecting their health. Yeah. The Port of Long Beach has a grants program, $47 million. And they wanted to find out what exactly are there negative impacts to their communities? So they did a study. I think we should do a study of what's if what exactly are we emitting? Yeah. Is it affecting the health of the surrounding area? You know, of Pierce County or just, you know, Northeast, Browns Point, Fife, the, 
just the one's proximity with mm-hmm. the port. Let's find out. And it's also with terms of traffic. Port of Hamburg says like, hey, we're going to invest in smart roads, smart streets to help you because we know we have also negative impacts. It'll help us and it'll also help the surrounding community. And in terms of um, the future, I believe the port should also invest as well as this, this, um, the governments around here into a maritime high school similar to the one, uh, to the aviation high school near Boeing. Mm-hmm. Um, a maritime high school that would have STEM subjects, uh, marine science, international business affairs, languages, logistics, robotics, because that is the future, um, as well as Native American culture. I want it to instill you know, environmental and sustainable principles, because um, this way we would be cultivating and securing the talent for the future. And and also, I want everyone to know what a port is and where yeah. it's at. Because it seems like when I've been campaigning, most people are like, what's a port? Where is it? And can I even vote? Yes. I say, yes, you're from Pierce County. But imagine if you have a top maritime high school yeah. that gets you the jobs, that gets you the mentorship from the industry itself. Most parents and students will want to go there. Mm. And then everyone will know what a port is. Um, but also my, you know, one of my hopes for that is that, you know, that Pialop tribe students will attend, surrounding students will attend, as well as international students. Because that international students actually, the presence of them increases foreign trade and mm. investment. But also that, you know, the friendships and the values and knowledge formed Mm-hmm. at the school will have a marvelous impact that this younger generation will show us a better way of relating, living, and doing business. Because right now, the relationship between the tribe and the port is not good. But I'm hoping that in the future, because of this school, they, you know, people will learn how to relate to each other. And also, I think it would also, maybe that, you know, the Pialop Tribe graduate will become will take John Wolfe's place as CEO of the Northwest, <laughs> Northwest Seaport <laughs> Alliance. And in some ways, I know a few people at that port culture would be this. This statement is <laughs> sorry. That's my phone. <laughs> this statement that I said, like a Pialop Tribe member having power and control at the Northwest Seaport Alliance, is probably sending shockwaves if they're listening. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking talking about. I want an integration. And that's the future. That's the way. So I've had many politicians sitting where you are, and many have indicated that the LNG is just a done deal. Can you speak to that? You know, done deals. I always say it's not a done deal till it's done, till it's finished. Yeah. Everyone also said methanol was a done deal. Mm-hmm. And I also read this article by Professor Kapintz of UPS. He said, "There's it's never too late to yeah. turn down a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to that LNG. But right now, that LNG is, you know, the Puyallup tribe, it's in violation of their treaties. They didn't get properly consulted to them. I mean, I guess people can argue about that. Um, but also... If you take a look at it from well to wick, it is not good for our environment, for climate change. Um, it comes from fracking. Right. You know, EPA, Sierra Club, NAACP have gone against fracking because it's associated, um, correlated with premature birth rates, cancer, contamination of water, as well as the methane leaks. It's mm-hmm. high. Um, so it's not helping 
in terms of climate change. And then when it comes here to Tacoma, it's not helping us. We are having the burden of having 21,000 tons of CO2 and other pollutants in our air 24-7, simply to help two tote ships to, to fulfill you know, eco emission standards while it goes to Alaska. Others have already fulfilled this using other technology or, you know, different fuels. Tote could do the same. There is something that's to be said about LNG, that it does burn cleaner than what they're using, the bunker fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it is better if it's spilled on the water. But but overall for Tacoma, it it pollutes more. 24-7 refinery. And then it characterizes our town as another refinery. Right. Like attracts like. How are we going to attract the Amazons or the small, medium-sized businesses? They Have you seen their list of what they want? Livable city. Mm-hmm. Livable communities. Clean air, clean environment, and also reputation. Companies like to go where they're hip, mm-hmm. where, you know, where, where other people want to live, the culture. And I see it happening in Tacoma here. We're, we're, we're doing that. The port is not helping us. Mm-hmm. in attracting these kind of companies. It should be. Um, in terms of LNG being a done deal, actually their permits, you know, they are, you know, f- constructing without certain permits. And the Puyallup tribe has filed lawsuits. Usually it is likely lawsuits that will mm-hmm. push this down. And and what bothers me also about the LNG uh, is the fact that they've allowed A lot of people, when I go around, I've been campaigning, is that they fear about the safety issues, blast zones, explosions. I feel that the port and PSC has not done a good job of addressing this and that they've just let this fester. In fact, take a look at this mayor and Tacoma City Council race. Mm -hmm. It has pervaded their races and they've allowed it. And it's the port's fault. I blame them more than the city council. They allowed this to happen simply because they think they can just do business as usual, sign away, not much public notice. They think 400 feet. You know, the notice is 400 feet. I don't think there's anyone living 400 feet from that site. But the effects will 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 be towards Northeast Tacoma and the surrounding other communities. Yeah. So yeah, they begrudgingly do the bare minimum in terms of public notice. And it bit them in, bit them with methanol. Yeah. The fact that they couldn't see that there would be a public uproar shows a big disconnect. Yeah. And that has to change. And they say they want to change. They'll, they'll do different procedures. But the whole, it's the mindset. You actually want to desire it. For me, I desire public notice. I want public engagement. I will I will not just do the 6 p.m. meetings. I will go to you. I'll go to that organization. Mm-hmm. I'll go to those councils. And I even said that hey, if there's people protesting, I will march with them. I'm going to listen. I, I, I actually went to this no, two five, no <laughs> LNG 253 march, uh, which was... Uh, led by Puyallup tribe members. Mm -hmm. And a couple hundred women started at Wright Park down to city council in which they shut the doors because they wanted to do Citizens Forum, but that was a rushed uh, city council meeting. Um, And then they had a rally at Tollefson Plaza. So, and that was not covered by the media very much. As I talked to a World Affairs Council member about these issues with the Puyallup tribe, and they're like, I read the news every day. I read the newspapers. How come I don't? How come mm-hmm. I don't know about this? Said, well, 
That's why Native Daily Network is in existence and two independent media and why this podcast is also here is to inform people of news that's going on in the community that's not being covered. So I, I had a one question, or actually a couple of questions that I've also posed to other candidates, which uh, one of them is there's a federal mandate that the uh, bunker fuel has to be replaced by cleaner energy, as far as I know. That would be one question. So my, my question would be, what are the alternatives to LNG in terms of clean energy in uh, you know making the ships run? And the other question, sort of, I have about three. The other one would be... Uh, is this an export facility or is it just a fuel ships coming into the port of Tacoma? And so let's just start with those okay. two. Okay. Right now there are other uh, shippers that are, are fulfilling the emissions requirement with scrubbers and um, mixed fuels or low sulfur diesel. Um, they're not, I say, the ideal solutions either. Hmm. Um, so LNG is in the mix, but my problem also with LNG is that with this particular project is that it's tying us and binding us to an, to this infrastructure for 25 to 50 years. And also the fact that 133 million of public ratepayers' money is being used to subsidize the billion dollar corporation. Yeah, that's wow. unbelievable. Um, and for the most part, there was this Yale study that talked about you know, bridge fuels, how would that be? They said, you know, this study said 10 years, should be less than 10 years. Otherwise, you're making it worse with the mm. methane leaks. Um, but also, I know people like to say LNG is the future. No, it's not. It's not even decided. I mean, the American Bureau of Shipping, isn't. they're saying like LNG, the problem with the climate change. Um, with the methane leaks, it's not decided yet what the fuel of the future will be. And in less than 20 years, they were even saying, this might not even be used. Right. Unless, of course, it's pushed on us. If it's out of pushed on us because we have the infrastructure, because it's going all, it's not just happening in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. this, these LNG facilities are sprouting up across the United States. And if you listen to their citizens forum, it sounds just like ours. Yeah. It's like, wait, how come we didn't get much notice? We don't want this here. Mm -hmm. you, you, you just interchange Tacoma with their, their, with their city or town's name, same deal. And mm -hmm. that's the problem. It's not good for their local region. Like I said, it'll be polluting, emitting more in our area. 21,000 tons of CO2 and other pollutants 24-7 the year. So the size of the facility— and the size of the facility is actually small. I mean, but it's more than tote needs, much more than tote needs. And what people fear is that it, that they'll expand. It just won't be one tank. They will they feel that it's just a Trojan horse, yeah. that this is the first of many. And watch it. You know, they say, uh, beware of Greeks who bear gifts. Yeah. You know, like the supposed jobs, the 16, 18 jobs that this would create. And that's—I'll— uh, Okay, I guess I should— um, <laughs> The thing about the, um, the export facility is that it's, it's not big enough, per se, to become an export facility, mm -hmm. but they do want to load it on trucks, marine bunkering, um, perhaps even trains. And this is actually complicated. PSC has never done anything like this. It's one of actually very unique in our country, something, something that does all these multifunctions. This is my problem with PSC and other, you know, when you ask them, hey, is there anything like this anywhere else? They'll point me to the one in Gig Harbor. 
That's a small storage facility. That's like comparing a paper plane to a jet plane that you're putting on our port. It's like, that's not the same. Or they'll show, you know, at the port, they'll show a picture of a a 14 million uh, gallon LNG tank that's so close to houses that they'll point, look how close that is. Is that a marine bunkering one? Uh, no, it's just, it's a storage facility. It's a peak shaver. So it's not like the one at the port. Uh, it's similar. It's like, don't try to fool me here. And once you start asking questions, I want you to give me a straight, direct answer. And that's what not what I'm getting. Is there a definitive answer about the explosive risk? Uh, my understanding is the PSA says that any explosive risk would be contained in the property itself, which is pretty small, as I understand. Yes, but then if you talk to Steve Storms, it's not. And they talk about blast zones, and um, they want a third independent uh, threat analysis. Um, Hmm. So another analysis seems warranted yes. to your mind. I mean, when my mom, when I speak to my mom about the elections, she's like, don't stress. It's not like if you don't win, an atomic bomb will go off. But then I think about Steve Storms. <laughs> and I think about Steve Storms and this, these uh, LNG pool fires at 3,500 degrees. I think it still melts at 2,500. Um, and all the damage that it could possibly do to our the heart of the economic engine, as well as the surrounding lives and the people at the Northwest Detention Center. So I was like, hmm, perhaps we should take a look at this if there are, there's this credible scientist telling us this is a danger. And the people that did the analysis, I mean, the, the, the safety, are the ones building it. So there is an incentive. How and, far is the detention center from the proposed LNG site? I don't know the exact the exact yeah. but it's it's close it's close. Very close and i believe the their procedure safety procedure is to shelter in place yeah yeah the port has everything it's like intersectionality of everything environmental racism of Puyallup tribe labor environment immigration is there everything as an elected port commissioner, how would you go forward with dealing with the immigration, with the detention center? You know, we actually don't have jurisdiction over that. Mm. We don't. Um, but I guess as a person, an individual, with perhaps with a position later <laughs> elected, you can't have influence. Yeah. And for me, the fact that they were somewhat, you know, a dollar a day, you weren't happy with these people being out in the community with their families, contributing to the economy, mm -hmm. you know, for proper wages. But let's put them in, like, a detention center or jail mm -hmm. and have them work a dollar a day so they could use it at the concessions for exorbitant, for high prices. It's disgusting. And yes, it is. And it doesn't make any sense. It is corporate welfare. It makes money. Yes. Corporate welfare, insidious business model. I mean— that the corporate stock price of GO has gone up like two and a half times ever since, or three times at, at its peak as soon as Trump was elected, you know, mm -hmm. like during that time when they knew he was going to be. Um, but even for people who want people to be deported, this is not the way. Basically, it's taxpayer money for corporate welfare. It does not deport people faster mm -hmm. at all. It's my understanding that one of the chief um, jobs of the Port Commission is to hire the executive director of the yes. port. Um, what sort of candidate would you be looking for as Port Commissioner? What, what, 
what direction would you want this person to take the port? Well, I would be looking for someone that has environmental (laughs) stewardship principle, you know, very principled on that point, but also one who's forward thinking, who's uh, familiar with the technologies and the trends that are happening today, Um, as well as someone very international, I think cosmopolitan, because it Mm -hmm. is a global port city and open-minded. Hmm. Um, that that's definitely one I'm <laughs> I'm gonna focus on. Someone very open-minded, and I'll collaborative. Yeah, would that position have more influence over the detention center? No. <sighs> oh, all of these interviews, I think, have just really served to make me very frustrated at the fact that it doesn't I mean, seem the, like it, an average det- citizen has the, any power I think at any point. The detention center gets passed around between the detentions. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, the, you ask the council about the. Oh, it's well, the it port. To, it's the port. Oh, it's you know, it's federal. It's, it's you know, whatever. Right. Well, it has to fulfill. Um, uh, it has to comply with local and federal laws, so. With so the local who part, sets the local and federal laws then? The local is the city. Okay. So the city has to make sure that it's complying with the local and it can squeeze that detention right. center in terms of compliance with the local. Um, Bob Ferguson is making sure that mm-hmm. people are not being made to work a dollar a day. Or f- God bless that guy. <laughs> He's suing Trump now over the um, birth control issue, which is another reason that we need to send him a thank you card. Um, you are running against an incumbent. Yes. Um, is there anything that you believe that he has done well? And if so, or if not, um, what would you do differently in your role? I think he does ask good questions when he's at the Port Commission. Mm-hmm. And I think he is focused on cleanup. However, he doesn't seem to... Like, there is a greenhouse gas emission resolution. There's no teeth to it. There's no action. Yeah. And if we're going to focus on cleanup, let's not focus on bringing the messes in the first place. Right. I think in terms of that, to be future-minded, to open up this city. And the problem that I have is that they're not admitting that there's um, – there's, they're not admitting that they have a problem. Uh, with the Puyallup tribe and their relationship with the city. Great organizations can admit their mistakes and become healthier and stronger. When they do not, they become stagnant. I feel like they have a blind spot, and this deep denial has likely seeped into their business operations. And hence, all those mistakes with, like, the NYK terminal, Maytown, um, methanol and LNG, methanol debacle, the LNG, it's a blindness. And... And if they think that everything is okay and everything's coming up roses, you have to have some self-reflection. You know, Mm. like, know your good and the bad. Mm. Be able to say, like, that's the only way you can become exceptional if you know that there are weaknesses and that there are mistakes that you've done. And if you just accept it, that this, I feel like they're, they're complacent about their relationship with the community or the tribe. Like, this is the way it's always been. That, you know, yeah. what can we do? We can talk to them, but they don't want to talk to us. Or what actually I get is usually this response from everyone at the port or other people who, who are not in good relationship with the tribe. Usually they will say, do, do you know that they have seven gas stations? And I'm like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, so what? I I drive. You know, I take yeah. a shower. I, yeah. I'm not... Against, 
I'm not against using fossil fuels per se. Like I know we're still on there. We're addicted. But I'm talking about like changing that. These will be, for me, the reason these next four years will be the transformative years of the, of the port and the city. This is the foundation. This is the chance to actually repair our relationship with each other and form the, form the foundation for the port city of the future. And they don't seem to get that. That's not yeah. in their head. It, it's like, oh, this is a part-time job. We're just going to focus on marine cargo operations. Um, we just want to make sure that there's a buffer zone between what we do and the city. And that's it. And I was like, I was like, no. Yeah. Do you not see what's going on around the world? How other port ports in their cities are integrating and having this synergy for economic development? That's that's the past. It seems like they're just clenching so tight to to old ways that they can't grasp the future. And that's yeah. not that's not the way. Yeah, one of the There's standard a- things I've heard is pretty much well, um, it is. It is light industrial and industrial use. That's how it's designated. Where else are you going to do that? That's what it's for. I mean, that's what that's what I've heard. Well, see, if you even take a look at that, that thinking, it's binary. Like, yay, no. Yeah. It's like, let's just let people's imaginations run. Let's brainstorm. Let's bring in new people, new ideas. Just let's let's let let the community have a say. I think that's what that's. In some ways, one of my primary platforms, like, let the people in, their yeah. energies. Let's see what we can come up with. Yeah. And and also let's compare ourselves to other ports. Because, like, again, with music, you know, Mozart, Beethoven, they studied their, their predecessors. It doesn't come from nowhere, your creation. You have scales, you have chords, you have different compositions that you studied. Let's compare ourselves to other ports. What are they doing? Let's say we are the late adopters, which I feel like we are. We're, when it comes to the clean air port strategy with Seattle, Tacoma, and Vancouver, we're last. But we have to admit that we're last. And what can we do to be better? So let's compare ourselves to every other port. You know, what, what, what are they doing? Even though we are maybe late adopters in technology, there's something to be, there's something we said, just something good about being late too. You can yeah. see what other people have done. Right. And also the technology has become cheaper. Mm-hmm. So you can institute that. Um, we can learn, and then we can adapt it t- to our city and to our port and our county, how it fits our needs. How would you go about attracting greener businesses to the port? Oh, I wouldn't be alone. See, I want to see what other, like I said, I want to see what other cities have done. Well, you know, th- there are a lot of incubators. Yeah, you know, There's incubators in Europe that solve their problems with their ports, mm-hmm. how to make it greener and sustainable, that they combine more with uh, community relations. I think in this increased, I think, smaller world, we can learn from each other. We don't have to like learn it in a bubble or reinvent the wheel. There are people who are already on this, you know, already researching and experimenting. Mm-hmm. Let's let's listen to them. Let's combine our forces. Doug. I'm just I'm just basking. <laughs> oh, and that's also one more thing. Uh, somebody had told me that that for methanol, we got methanol. Seattle got money to have a green incubator. <laughs> yeah. So in, kind of with this Northwest Seaport Alliance, we're still playing tit for tat. You get this investment. We get that investment. Yeah. We get, and I know people fear the Seattle influence when it comes to Northwest Seaport Alliance. Yeah. That we're going to get the bad projects, the toxic projects. But as I've said, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. 
You don't have to take crap. Ugh. You can say no. You can push back. Sing it, sister. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, before we let you go, I wanted to give you a little bit more chance to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Before we started the interview, we talked about how you always use your three minutes on panels to talk about the port and its issues and not tell people about yourself. And for better or for worse, people vote for someone that they like, that they want to go have a beer with. So, Kristen, why should we go have a beer with you? (laughs) Well... (laughs) <laughs> I'm fun. I'm collaborative. Um, actually, you know, I, I did a little bit of comedy. Oh, really? Yes, I did. Stand-up comedy? I, I did it one time for uh, the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. I did piano and comedy. I feel like stand-up comedy is like the thing that Just takes the, the most balls. I'm, <laughs> I'm a lawyer by, tra- you know, by training and yeah. business, but... For the most part, I was known as the witty one in law school, but that's not hard when you're in law school. <laughs> it's not yeah. not a lot of stiff yeah. competition for wittiness in law school. No. <laughs> no. No. Where do you like to hang out in Tacoma? Bamboo. I, I lately bamboo for bubble tea. Yeah. And they, they they know me there. Yeah. <laughs> they start making your drink when you come in. <laughs> oh no, I, I just try to go different different things on the menu. Okay. I, I've often said actually that it's my stomach that will win this election, that I have the support of many restaurants in Tacoma and Pierce <laughs> County. Because I eat so, I, I eat around. Nice. Yes. Nice. What else, are, what are your other favorites? Huh. Well, right around that corner is Fud Dragon with, they have really good banh mi's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just go all around. I, I can't right. really name a favorite at okay. this point. Okay. Well, we've had a really good conversation with you today. I really, really appreciate your passion. I love that you got involved because you saw a need. I really am so stoked that there's a smart, passionate lady baller in this race. And I'm just so glad that you came to talk to us today. Yes. I mean, that's often what people are telling me, like, you're the only woman running for port. And that you could be the first person of color in 99 years. And maybe even the first... Is there... I don't know. There's probably been a gay commissioner. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, yes. There probably has statistically, but statistically. Not, not an out one. So. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming today. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. For having me. Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma Podcast today. We are part of the Channel 253 Network, where you can also find the Move to Tacoma Podcast, as well as the Nerd Farmer Podcast. And the Flounders B-Team Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you've heard on the show today, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, maybe there's something you've been wondering about that maybe we can investigate for you, please contact me at jennyjacobs253 at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Citizen Tacoma. Citizen Tacoma Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.